With the first Republican presidential debate upon us, the 2024 election campaign has truly begun. Former President Donald Trump has a massive lead, with some polls putting him at or near 50%, more than all of his competitors combined. To put this in perspective, no candidate in modern times has ever had such a significant lead and then failed to win their party's nomination. I'm Dr. Frank Luntz, your host here at America Speaks. We thought this was the perfect time to take the temperature of grassroots Republicans, all of them undecided at this critical juncture. You're going to hear from all the major candidates, Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Chris Christie. The good, the bad, and the things you won't see or hear anywhere else other than right here on Straight Arrow News. First, I asked our panel what would be the deciding factor in their presidential preference. Let's see if their answers match yours. Jeff, okay. I'm going to start with you. Jeff, can you tell me what is the most important deciding factor in your choice for Republican nominee? That's going to be the economy by, by, by far. But be specific. What do you mean by the economy? Well, it, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, I've got a young family trying to raise the family and with the prices that are going up with inflation between gas and, and uh, everything else, insurance, you know, just it, it, it starts to, to stifle what you can provide for your family. And it also makes you start looking outside for extra work, uh, which takes time away from the family. And I think that, uh, you know, that's, that's just, you know, we need to get back to focusing on the economy and, and growing our economy and getting the inflation thing under control. Okay, uh, Josie. Uh, the one thing that I'm gonna be looking at is border security. And my reason for that is because I feel that that covers so many issues. Um, with, with the border wide open, it's, it is affecting you know, our economy. It's affecting um, our, uh, ability to help our own people um, where all these, uh, the money and everything is going towards these illegals and where who knows who's coming through the border as far as um, you know, folk, folks that wanna take our country down. Um, so I, border security is my number one issue. Kirk, the number one issue in the Republican primary, the number one deciding factor, what is it for you? I think someone who's not going to be a catastrophic extremist and scare 60% of the country into voting for Joe Biden. Jennifer. Um, I would say um, just the criminal system or the, how they deal with criminals um, because I live in Louisiana and close to New Orleans. We always go there and the crime rate in New Orleans is just out of control right now. People are scared to just even go there. Michael from North Carolina. Got to get the fiscal house in order. Entitlements, uh, we're going to be running out of funding during the next during the next term, and it's got to be addressed. Paul, illegal immigration and this BS, so-called asylum. Uh, I, I think the it, that that problem is so far-reaching. It, it impacts the economy and every other so many things throughout our our our, our economy and. I don't even know where to stop. That's it, illegals. We need to we need to shut down the borders and shut down asylum, the so-called asylum. Okay, Jermaine. Honestly, I, I live in a state that for the last 60 days has had temperatures above 100 degrees and how climate change is in its effect on the economy and, and healthcare for me. 
uh, I can barely breathe here. And I'm out of my house tonight because the grid went down. So how we're addressing infrastructure uh, and its relationship to the economy. Eddie, what's your number one deciding factor? Uh, I wanna see somebody who can demonstrate leadership and take a step at reducing some of the polarity um, that's in the, in the electorate. Uh, we gotta win this election. I am sure that all of these candidates are better than Joe Biden. Every single one of these Republican candidates are better than Joe Biden. I wanna see somebody who can lead the people in the middle and attract them uh, to vote for them. And somebody who will get to Washington and understand the task at hand and uh, have a plan to make things a little bit better for them. One more general, general question, then we're gonna get to, uh, to Trump. If the candidates were listening to this interview right now, what would you tell them about the upcoming campaign? If they're listening, if, if all 10 of them are listening to your conversation, what would you tell them? Anybody? I would leave those at all. Go after Trump. They need Explain. to they need to be stronger and not be afraid of alienating people that are questioning his integrity and his loyalty to the party and to our country. He they need to come out strong on the economy and be going after women's vote. We can see after Ohio that how important uh, the women are going to be in this election and they cannot keep taking a tiptoe around the issues uh, point. They, they need to all come out much stronger. Michael from North Carolina and then Jermaine from Texas. I see you nodding. Yeah, I think, I think Eddie and Pamela are right on. I mean, we gotta, we gotta pull people in to vote Republican and, and not alienate voters. You can't, we've gotta win to make yeah. any of these issues, issues work. Jermaine? Mm -hmm. I, I think everyone has kind of said it. It's the alienation of the voters, and we're, we, you can't just go after Republican voters. You can't. It, it just it, if you really want to get into office and you really want to affect change, you got to pull people in who don't necessarily agree with you ideologically, but they agree with you on some of the issues, and that you you make you stand on the issue. Rich, I see you're nodding your head against some, some of this. Well, some of it, yes. I mean, I agree with we need to expand the party. We need to bring in other people. We need to have people feel included. I 100% agree with that. I totally disagree with the go after Donald Trump. Um, I want to hear what you're for, not what's yeah. wrong with the other guy. Tell me what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, not yeah. what's wrong with Mike Pence or Donald Trump or Nikki Haley or, or Tim Scott or, or anybody else. Um, because that's what's going to allow us to expand the party is to know what people are for, not fight amongst each other. I believe in Ronald Reagan's thing of don't speak ill of another Republican. Okay, now let's hear from and about the candidates themselves. First up, frontrunner Donald Trump. Most of the panel clearly love his policies, but his personality, that's a different matter. Let's listen. My mission is to rescue hardworking families from the nightmare of Bidenomics 
and restore the American dream, something you don't hear too much about anymore. And that's going to be restored for you and for everyone you love. Under my leadership, household net worth rose to an all-time high. And the African-American, Hispanic-American, Asian-American poverty rates hit an all-time low. We built the greatest economy in the history of the world. And when I'm reelected, we will quickly do that again. No administration in modern times has matched the power of our America First economic formula, and they never even came close. We had low taxes, low regulations, low inflation, maximum American energy production. We were energy independent and fair and reciprocal trade. Under Trump, every policy is about making life better and more affordable for hardworking American families. Okay, let's get a reaction to that. Anybody? Yeah, I'll start. Okay. But that's that's what he needs to do. He needs a standpoint. He needs to remember the good things that happened, how the economy was great, and he needs to keep a positive on everything he says. Somebody else, Just, Nick from Georgia. Yeah, he needs to stick to viable points and and try to avoid you know saying everything's perfect and great because it's not. No matter how good everything is, just an even keel type of making his points that's what I, he should do first thing i want to say is i'll applaud him for what he just said and for his policy the problem that i have is he didn't make them permanent there was too many executive orders which are overturned like that by the next administration so i wanted to know why would the next go around be any different than that I mean, energy and energy independence, household wealth are great, but I mean, in all honesty, he can't win. I, I don't see any way he's going to pull independence. I, I just, it's, it's all BS to me. And when he starts dumping the greatest economy ever, well, that's BS. I mean, it was a good economy, um, but I mean, people are going to see right through that. Any kind of independent is just going to, you know, turn it right off. Like, I liked what I heard. Um, I liked that he, um, I, I like him a little bit better when he adds some humor and he gets people laughing. Um, in, in that specific clip, he looked, I don't, I can't even quite put a finger on it, but he looked almost like he was trying to be somebody different than what he's been. And I don't know if it's because of all these indictments and, you know, I don't, I don't know what that's doing to him as far as personality wise. Um, but, but, you know, I did like that he was focused on the issues there and wasn't going off on a tangent. Um, I mean, we all don't like Biden, but he wasn't going off on that tangent. He was on focus. That's positive. Okay. You got one more Donald Trump clip. Danny, let's roll it. The latest morning console poll has us far ahead. We're at 59% and the others are at like 12 one is at 12. I think that's the sanctimonious, but he's rapidly being caught by Ramishwamy. Who's good? No, no, Christie's he's eating right now. He can't be bothered. <laughs> Sir, please do not call him a fat pig. That's very disrespectful. Don't call him. See, I'm, I'm trying to be nice. Don't call him a fat pig. You can't do it. You can't do that. So now, because you're not allowed to do that, and therefore uh, we're not going to do it, okay? We want to be very civil, right? Okay. That's not oh. going to help him. Oh, no. He's not angry. Oh. <laughs> no comment. 
That's so, not going to help. I liked him up until the point that he made that fat comment. I liked his demeanor. He seemed more relaxed in that video than he was. And he seemed more Trump in that video than he was in the first one. He seemed too stiff. But once he starts going down that road with those, with those inappropriate, I mean, it's just inappropriate. It, that, that turns me off. And and, and, and I have to get my mind straight because that tends to mitigate, mitigate, or uh, not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It tends to, to eliminate all the good things he does, just gets pushed to the back. And then that's all I can see. And it makes me, it disgusts me because there's no need for it. Well, first of all, um, with, with the state of our country, I don't really want to see a candidate try their hand at stand-up comedy. I'd rather go see a comedian of my own choice. I don't like his humor. Um, I don't really have anything flattering to say about Donald Trump aside from his policies. I, I think he's a political vampire and I know that's very strong language, but when Donald Trump is in the room, he sucks the air out of the room and um, overshadows everybody else. And, and yet we have a wealth of qualified, articulate candidates whose messages we may not hear because of Donald Trump's uh, ver verbosity, if that's even a word. Um, I, I, not a fan. I mean, I voted for him, uh, but I wouldn't again. Michael. This remind, Trump reminds me of, uh, he's, he's as toxic as Hillary Clinton was in 2016, except he's as toxic to the Republican Party. He kind of reminds me of the Bobby Knight of politics with his, you know, just, just saying anything in his sound bites. I mean, he doesn't think things through. He's just shut up sometimes. Well, someone defend Trump, please. Uh, I like him because he always speaks the truth. And just because people don't like the way he says it, everybody's so sensitive in the US and they don't like him supposedly because he calls somebody fat. Well, if people are fat, then call him fat. Just say the truth. In, and in people some ways, start crying. He is funny. He is funny. That was yeah, funny. It, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. In some ways, it, I mean, it cracks me up when he says that stuff because I'm just like, I can't believe I just heard him say that. Um, but it cracks me up. And I know that appeals to a certain demographic where like some others have said where, hey, he's just speaking his mind, whether he should be saying it or not is a different matter, but he's, he's speaking his mind. And that's one of the problems with a lot of the other candidates is that they're, they're too, in some ways they're not, they're too guarded. Next, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Overall, a favorable reaction particularly in regard to his focus on the future rather than arguing about the past. Let's go to the number two person in the surveys, Ron DeSantis. Let's take a look and we're gonna show you two clips from him. If the election is a referendum on Joe Biden's policies and the failures that we've seen, and we are presenting a positive vision for the future, we will win the presidency uh, and we will have a chance to turn the country around. If on the other hand, uh, the election is not about January 20th, 2025, but January 6th, 2021, or what document was left by the toilet at Mar-a-Lago, 
if it's a referendum on that, we are going to lose. But and that's Trump just the, the reality. Race, you know with Trump in the race, that is largely what it's going to be about. And right now, and you're not, not fighting against not, Joe that's, Biden. That's you're not, fighting against that's Trump. Not a, that's not a pathway for success for the Republican Party. I think a lot of our voters understand that. Okay. It, by the way, you can give me general reactions. You can react to the video. But I want to know what you all think of Ron DeSantis. Sandra, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, in that clip, he did excellent. He held his ground. He wasn't throwing punches. He didn't make it about Donald Trump. He made it about the Republican Party and unity and getting stuff done. I like that. Pamela? DeSantis is right. And Trump is making it all about himself and his vendetta. And the problem is the media is going along with it to ensure that Trump is the nominee. Jennifer. Um, I was just going to say that um, I feel like he he stands firm in what he believes and that, um, you know, even if it isn't the most popular um, answer, he still goes with it. Josie and then Kirk. I like DeSantis. Um, I like him a lot. Um, his, the proof is in his state. He was a He's an excellent governor. And I last year I was saying, I wish it would have been a Trump-DeSantis ticket because I think that would have solved, it, solved so many problems. Burke and then Eddie. Uh, I mean, he's eloquent, he's right. But you know, I saw the other Chrome on there. I mean, it, it's, you know, talking about January 6th is terrible, but if you push that out and replace it with something even worse, like banning abortion, I mean, that's gonna be even worse. Eddie, go ahead. He has his record in Florida, which is good. Um, and he's right for the Republican Party to go forward. The best thing we can do is leave January 6, 2020 behind. And with any of these other candidates besides Trump, we can do that. Okay, let's show you one more video from him. And I'll get your reaction. So would you veto any sort of federal bill that tries to put a nationwide ban in place? So we will be a pro-life president and, and we will support pro-life policies. Um, I would not allow uh, what a lot of the left wants to do, which is to override pro-life protections throughout the country, all the way up really until the moment of birth in some instances, which I think is, is infanticide. Uh, well, it is actually, not I gotta push back on you on that because that that's a, a misrepresentation of, of what's happening. I mean, that 1.3% of abortions happen at 21 weeks or higher. There's no, no right. evidence of Democrats pushing for but, but their abortions view up is, until- Their view is, is that all the way up into that, yet there should not be any legal protections. Uh, there is no in indication of Democrats right. pushing you're, you're for right. that. Okay, so this is what happens when you've got a uh, interviewer that is far left. Here in New Mexico, mm -hmm. it's exactly like Ron DeSantis says. They are doing abortions up to birth. It is not 1.3%. And he's got to stand strong. Every Republican has to stand strong on pro-life because the left will butcher babies all the way up until birth if, as long as they can. And they're pushing it here. They're trying to put abortion clinics on every street. It's horrible. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think the biggest issue that, that happened with abortion is the overturn of Roe v. Wade which didn't ban abortions. It just threw it back to the states. The states. And this is a very polarizing issue. Uh, our candidate's job is to win the election. You do not win it by polarizing it with pro-life and pro-choice. Leave that to the states. 
Yep. Try to talk about your over leaders, overall leadership of the country. I Michael, think we've done. Michael oh, from good. North Carolina, I want you to jump in here. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I just, I mean, I don't like this this issue because it is so polarizing. And I think, um, you know, I think there's a winning piece in the middle that's either just throw it back to the states, the states issue and let, let's handle it. But I do think it, at six weeks, like in Florida, that's just really, really tight that a lot of women don't know if they're pregnant. And that's just does not feel like it's going to sustain. Pamela, California. This is a toxic issue for many Republicans. And I think Ohio shows that um, most of the country is where Europe is. We're there in the middle, even though California has been extreme. We have, you know, a legislator that keeps passing, you know, bills that the majority of the state don't even agree with. But on this issue, the Republicans need to understand the other side. And we need to be the party that is not forcing our views, whatever they are, down everyone's throat. We've been having that the last two years. We understand that. Then we turn to South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. His life story and his communication capabilities both received very high marks. The only concern, his governing experience. Um, I want to do Tim Scott now. So, uh, Danny, let's pull up Tim Scott. People are hungry for something hopeful and optimistic. I believe America could do for anyone what she's done for me. Restoring hope, creating opportunities, and defending and protecting the America that we love is such an important combination, especially when I think about restoring hope. I'm a kid that grew up in a single-parent household, mired in poverty. By the time I was in the fourth grade, I went to four different elementary schools. As a freshman in high school, I failed four subjects. And so I understand and appreciate the importance of hope. One of the ways that we can restore hope in this country is to focus on our education system. Mm -hmm. We need to have too many kids in poor zip codes trapped in failing schools. I want parents to have a choice so kids have a bigger chance. If we focus on those issues that, heck, 67% of Democrats, 68% of independents, 70% of Republicans, 72% of African-Americans, 66% of Hispanics all agree on some form of school choice because at the end of the day, my mama loves her child more than she does Republicans or Democrats. <laughs> so the real combination is, can we find a way to make America better by having every child and every zip code have quality education? I think that uh, he has the moral integrity, integrity that we're looking for. Um, you know, I, I like him as a person. Uh, I like, uh, you know, his, his moral standings. And I think that's what the country's got to come back to uh, moral compass. Denise? I like his message, but I, I wish I would hear more of um, a policy, more about his policies in terms of the economy, um, inflation, stuff like that. I think he's, I think he's very positive. I think he's a great um, speaker, but I need to know a little more about what he's going to do with the economy, energy, uh, that stuff. Michael. Michael. I, I like the I like I like the positivity. I think schools are really important. I just think, you know, we're going to have our 250th anniversary as a country in three years and having something that brings us together and having somebody who can draw draw us together is is really crucial right now. Paul? I think he would crush Biden and everybody. I think he would draw a rally of support that we haven't seen probably in, well, maybe, I don't even know how long, but a long time. Eddie? 
Yeah, I'm going to echo what Paul just said. You know, I mean, put that, that optimism, the words opportunity and hope and, and, and just look at the body language, listen to the voice and put that against, you know, senile Joe. We got a chance if that's our, if that's, if that's who's on the ballot, if, if it's that candidate and senile Joe, we got a chance, folks, much better chance than if it's Donald Trump and Joe. I like Tim Scott, but I think the, the problem I have with him is that he doesn't have governing or managerial or military experience. Um, he has policy background and not huge ones of the, at that. And he's got a great story, personal, um, is very likable and down to earth, but we need someone who can actually govern as well. Next up, Vivek Ramaswamy. Our panel knew less about him than the other candidates going into our session, but the more they learned, the more they liked. Let's listen. Let's see how you react to Vivek. What do I want to tell you all when I'm leaving the White House? I want to tell you that once again in the United States of America, we again have three branches, co-equal branches of government, not four, that we shut down the unconstitutional administrative state. I want to tell you in January 2033 that we as Americans are no longer dependent on our enemy, communist China, for our modern way of life. That is not a nation. I want to tell you in January 2033 that American exceptionalism is alive and well, that our economy is growing at the fastest rate of any nation in the developed world once again. I want to tell you in January 2033, most importantly of all, that young Americans, all Americans, we are once again proud to be citizens of this nation. Yes, yes, go. When I, when I answered uh, the, the um, questionnaire for coming on uh, this evening, I put him down as my number three choice. Um, the more I hear from him, the more I like him. He's focused, he, um, he, he knows how to speak, and he just, he's, he, he, I feel confident, could bring America back to where we need to be. Denise. He's a dream candidate. He's got the presence. He's articulate. He tells you what his policies are going to be. I expect that he's going to be able to deliver on those results. I like it. Michael. He's a jerk. I can't stand this guy. I don't understand why he's running. And I, I can't stand the fact that as a conservative, as a Republican, he wants to require some civics exam to, to be able to vote if you're under 25. Well, right now, who would be administrating that civics exam? It would be Joe Biden. What the hell idea is that? Guys, he's a waste of time. <laughs> um, Vivek has the passion and the energy that the other candidates need. He is articulate. Um, I don't agree with everything he says. He has some offshoots sometimes. He's faltered. But he is out there and pushing the boundaries. Nick? Uh, he has great talking points. He, he, he'd do well in a TED presentation, but he doesn't have the political savvy, uh, unfortunately. Uh, Jermaine? I, I, I agree. He sounds good. He looks good, but I just don't think he has the political savvy to, to pull it off. 
he's a self-made billionaire that came to this country with nothing. I think that what he's doing with his passion is grabbing a hold of young people who want the same thing. And I think if there's anyone out there, any candidate that underestimates him, it's in their their to their loss. And I think they would be right to, uh, you know, it, it take on some of his his tactics. I think he could be a very good leader, though he'd probably have to get mugged by reality a few times first. <laughs> But it's really smart, right? Former Vice President Mike Pence was next. It's pretty clear that these voters don't want to focus on what happened January 6th. They want to focus on the future. I know in my heart of hearts uh, that on January 6th, I did my duty. I kept my oath to the Constitution of the United States. And the thing that I'm encouraged about, Major, is as we travel not only here in New Hampshire, but around the country, is more and more Americans are recognizing uh, that we kept our oath that day. And I think uh, with this week's news, I've had, I've had so many people come up to me and just express their appreciation for the stand that we took by God's grace uh, to do our duty to see to the peaceful transfer of power. And uh, I, I'm encouraged by that, I must tell you. Look, President Trump was wrong. Uh, uh, he was wrong then, he's wrong now. I had no right to overturn uh, the election. And uh, uh, more and more Americans are coming up to me every day and recognizing that. And, and uh, for my part, uh, I'm running for president in part because, uh, frankly, President Trump asked me to put him over the Constitution that day. But I chose the Constitution, and uh, I always will. Okay, who wants to talk? Eddie, you're going first, and then yeah, January sixth. Mike for Mike Pence and his candidacy. January sixth is the only issue. It's not a winning issue. And he has nothing else. And I'm not surprised the the one clip you show is going to talk about his performance on January 6th. It's all he's got. It's not enough. I dis I disagree with with what everyone's saying. As far as I think he's great. The problem with him to me is that he he does seem like he's reading off a script all the time. Is is what I that's it, that's what it seems like to me. I I think that he stood by. He did his job as VP for Trump. He headed up the COVID vaccine task force um, and did a tremendous job with that. The problem is everybody remembers him on January 6th. And he took what could have been an, you know, a horrific fall. He stood by and was berated by Trump. And to me, he stood up and had the integrity to, as he said, uphold the constitution and go forward. Do I think he has a shot? No. Denise? Uh, I think with Mike Pence, we would be constantly um, remembering, reliving uh, January 6th. And what we really need is a forward thinking, forward acting candidate. Nikki Haley, former UN ambassador and South Carolina governor, was well received by the group, particularly in how she handled the interviewer. Lesson to the candidates watching, the tougher you are with the press, the more likely you are to generate Republican support. I don't even rem remember how many indictments this has been. And it just, I can't keep responding to every one of these dramas when we have real issues in our country. You know, I think that the fact that we should be talking about China, we should be talking about the debt, we should be talking about transparency in our schools, we should be talking about crime. All of these things are so much more important. We shouldn't be talking about whether a 77-year-old president is going to be spending time in jail. Good message, articulate, stays on point about policies. I like her as a candidate. I think she's good. Pamela. 
I agree. Nikki Haley has the, the managerial experience, the governing experience, uh, military background. She can be the crossover candidate that is being overlooked. She has got to fire herself up and get that kind of uh, Vivek uh, passion going and get her message out to more people. Rich. She's strong. She's got a great record. Uh, she's right to not talk about Trump's failings and turn everything back to what she's going to do and how she's going to do it. Um, I you know, love to see her talk more about those things. Paul. I think she has every attribute that we want in it in maybe lacking the down to earth part a little bit more that I liked in Tim's that I like in Tim Scott, but everything else, the executive experience, uh, she's a seems like a like a pit bull type with her experience with UN and governor and being a governor. She's great. Sandra. She's always been a strong leader. She has all the right ideas. She's gonna need to step it up though to get her her hat in the ring on this primary though. But she's a, she's a great candidate. Yeah, I, I think as far as her clip, I mean, it, it's right. I mean, you know, the two people that their candidacy seems to be revolving around attacking Trump for January 6th are Chris Christie and Mike Pence. And, and she's right. Leave that behind. Let's focus on these issues. Let's focus on what we can do for the country and how we can grow as a country in the next four years or at least backtrack from some of the disaster that senile Joe has brought to us. Finally, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. The group wanted to know more about what he would do rather than what Donald Trump had done. I think we need a slight change from the character and approach of Donald Trump. I think we need a significant change from the character and approach of Donald Trump. I, I would just do. And if the... If we're going to try to bring this country back together. This doesn't mean we won't fight. Of course we'll fight. You're Italian-American, so am I. Our families, they fought all the time. All the time. About big things and small things. But if somebody from the outside came in and tried to take one of us on, then it became a whole other matter. That's what this country has to get back to. We can fight amongst ourselves all we like about the issues that are important to us, and we should. The founders set it up that way. But when we have threats to the very core of who we are, either from outside forces or from malignant forces within, like a failed education system, well, then we better band together. And we need a president who's willing to do that. I do like having Christy, invo Christy involved, and I hope he lasts for a while in this because I just think we need him to be able to to butcher up Trump, to be honest, to, to set us up, though I don't think he's really the effective candidate at the end of the day. Pamela. I agree. He is unlikable to most people, I feel, and his message is all about it, anybody but Trump, and that's fine. Let him be the pit bull to go after Trump while the other candidates just focus on their policies. Jermaine. I, I lived in New Jersey under Chris Christie, and I thought he was the right guy for the job at that time. As far as a presidential candidate, I'm not really sure what he's for and what he's against. I, I just hear him talk about Trump, and that would be my reason for not backing Chris Christie. We closed our session by giving each panelist the opportunity to ask one candidate one question. Some of their responses surprised me, and they may surprise you. 
Let's listen. Let's say you could talk to any candidate running. Which candidate would you choose and what would you ask them? Josie, I'm gonna start with you. What question would you ask any candidate of your choice? So I would ask DeSantis, I would want to know who, uh, who his options would be for Supreme Court and also um, any ideas that uh, he would have for uh, his cabinet. Denise, you get to ask any candidate any question. What would you ask and who would you ask? That's tough. I think I would ask um, Nikki Haley uh, how, how she plans to handle China. I think that's a big thing. She has experience at the United Nations. I, I'd want it, I want more clarity on that. Jeff. I think I would uh, I would I would ask uh, probably Ron DeSantis and, and I would ask him, I would like to see what he looks, how he is gonna get around the Trump issue. Um, what is his plans to to unite us and not go down this division that we've gone through the last few few years? Kirk. Well, I'd ask Donald Trump, he's probably going to be the nominee, whether we really like it or not. And I'd ask him, hey, bro, why do you think it's going to go better this time, <laughs> right? Like 2020, let's say a lot of things went wrong in the administration. A lot of things went wrong for that election. Why do you think it's going to go better this time? Maria from Texas. I would ask Trump why he squandered his chance when he had the Senate. And so the first two years of his presidency, when he had the Senate and the House, and why he didn't try to push uh, abolition of birthright citizenship. I got to ask Michael from North Carolina, you're actually applauding what Maria said. Why is Donald, that? Because Donald Trump had a Republican Congress and Republican Senate for two years and didn't accomplish anything during those two years. Didn't get, you know, I think people have said, you know, you re relied on executive orders. Mm -hmm. um, he didn't get legislation through during those couple of years when he had everything behind him. Denise, you're nodding your head. Why? Yeah, absolutely. I I completely concur with that. There was a lot of wasted opportunity in those two years. And it was very frustrating. The following year we had following two years, we had to deal with Nancy Pelosi. It was terrible. And there you have it. A group of voters eager to replace the sitting president, but not necessarily sure whom they want to replace him with. Former President Trump is clearly the man to beat, whether he is beatable. Keep coming back to America Speaks at Straight Arrow News to find out. I'm Dr. Frank Luntz. Thanks for watching.